0: Okay, well, let's open with uh, a prayer over our passage this morning. Uh, God of eternity, by the power of your Spirit, speak your word to us this day, that hearing we may know your truth and live ever more faithfully for you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We will have a time of of prayer, intercessory prayer. So the message will be a little bit shorter on the passage today. We're going to wrap up Hebrews this morning um, and launch into something new next week. On July 4th, I will be posting a video uh, for July 4th. So we will not be meeting here that morning. Um, So... On Saturday mornings at the Wells House, uh, one of the things that Lisa likes to watch is Hometown. Who, who watches Hometown? Yeah. We love Hometown. It's a one of those makeover shows. And in Hometown... You have someone that's buying a house, and it's a fixer-upper. And so, when you enter the house, it's kind of a wreck, or it's really super dated, or something like that. It, it needs a makeover. And they go in, and they make up this home. Um, you know, they go, they they run through the rigmarole, like which house are they going to buy? We all know that they they know that long before they they filmed this, probably. But they they go into this house, and it's always amazing, like. The renovations are beautiful, and they're inspiring, I think, and that's why they're so popular. That there's this sort of living vicariously, like our house could look like this in an hour as well, right? (laughs) And for $10,000 only. But sometimes during the reveals, like when they're walking through, I'm thinking, like, as soon as they release the kids on this room. It's not going to look like this anymore, right? It's like release the Kraken. You know, they got five kids and it's going to come in and there's going to be socks stuffed everywhere. There's, you know, they have, they'll they'll set, they'll stage this thing and it will look like in front of the TV. If there is a TV, that's always interesting. Sometimes there's no TV and I'm like, well, they watch TV. Where is that going to happen? You know? And so, or there'll be this little, uh, like a, you know, a coffee table, and there'll be an avocado with parsley and, you know, stage there, like it's a, like it's a piece of furniture. I'm like, that's going to be a basket with about eight different remotes and, you know, <laughs> and magazines that haven't been thrown out yet or whatever it is, you know. It's all staged, right? And I'm always like, anyway, it's just, it's not quite real. Um, and I think that they, I think they go in and stage those things. And then those people have the option to just buy all that stuff. But we all know that they're moving out and their dumpy old couch is coming in into their newly open space, right? Their open living space. Um, (coughs) So they did another show, right? Have you been watching hometown takeover or small town takeover? So that's different, right? So there's the same crew, and it's small-town takeover. They come into this town. They're trying to renovate this town. And they picked about 12 projects. And they're just trying to get this movement moving in this small town where people, where uh, the houses aren't quite taken care of, and there's usually not as much money to go around. There's small towns, rural areas. And uh, that one, so Lisa loves that show. And she was asking me about it. I'm like, I don't like it as well. And there's something going on underneath where with hometown, it's all this pure fantasy. Everything's staged, right? (laughs) But with small-town takeover, there's this underlying tension that they talk a little bit about, but that if people don't really step into the movement they're trying to see happen in this town, it's not going to go far. It's only going to go as far as those 12 spots that they renovated. And the other thing that happens is they're going into places where people already work or live. And so it's strange because in the other show, the house is a dump and no one lives there. You can do whatever you want to it. But in hometown takeover, they walk into someone's house and they're like, this rug is tired. We're going to get rid of the rug. And I'm like, maybe they didn't think their rug was tired. Or they go into this restaurant and they're making over a restaurant. We're going to give them a new logo. You know, that logo wasn't working. I'm thinking, yikes, maybe someone picked out that logo. You know, and so there's this tension where it's still a remarkable, I love what it's doing and I love where it's going. It's just too much reality for me, right? You're hearing things about your house that you really don't want to know, that you have to hear, but you really don't want to hear. It's not quite as clean, neatly packaged, pure Fantasy, like hometown, and it's all staged. And I just want to see what happens when they bring in their tired couch and all the toys, you know. And sometimes they're like, "This, this, this needs more storage space." I'm like, "Well, that's good, but if you don't use it, if you if the house is always cluttered, it's gonna feel even though it, you blew out the wall, it's still gonna feel like a mess in a month, right?" So there's just something about reality. And when I'm watching that, I sometimes have to remind myself, the grass is not greener. (laughs) The grass isn't always greener. Um, Right, right, yeah. That's what society wants us to think. And that's the message, particularly in a capitalist culture. You need this. You need that. You need a faster car. You need a better chapstick you know, so you could be sexy, or I don't know, and the grass is not greener. At the same time, there is something happening there that, you know, the door doesn't work there, or it, does, it should, the traffic flow doesn't work, or the kitchen's too small, and so there is a sense in which this furnishing that's happening there, this equipping of the house, so to speak, is very much necessary. Um, It's just not nice and clean like the one show, which we love to watch, and the other one which I could pass on because there's just too much reality there. Um, Hebrews has been a bit like that. It's about equipping. It's about furnishing. Um, And it's also about reminding us that the grass isn't greener. What's our theme, right? What's the theme for this book? Jesus is greater. Stick with it. Jesus is greater. Stick with it. So we're winding down. We're at the end. And we're going to read just a couple practical things that this author is wrapping up with. We're at the end of... It almost seems like the announcements. We do ours before the sermon. It's almost like the announcements are coming up. And they're very practical. And I love this. You see this in Romans. You see it in Philippians. You see this deep deep, heavy theology that you could just dive into this deep pool and keep going and not hit the bottom. And then when you get to the practical part, you realize how practical it is. This is teaching people just how to get along, you know, and how to live in community with one another and how to love one another. It's very simple. And then he ends with a prayer over the, the, um, a benediction, at the end of this sermon, a prayer over the congregation um, that is absolutely beautiful. So let's look at this. We have uh, Hebrews 13, 1 to 9. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels without realizing it. Perhaps looking back to the story of uh, Abraham and Sarah and the three people that came to visit them. Remember those in prison as if you were there yourself. Remember also those being mistreated as if you felt their pain in your own bodies. This whole thing has about been about trial. right? The temptation is to leave the faith, is to walk away from Christ because of the trials and the sufferings that this group has felt. And I think that they're really tempted to do that. They're really cons- giving it consideration or there wouldn't be this whole book written to them, this whole sermon preached to them. And so here, he's reminding them that other people suffer too. You're not the only one. You're not the only one that's suffering out there. And and when we're going through trial, it consumes us. We feel like that's all we see. And he's reminding them others are suffering as well. The grass isn't greener. Other people are suffering. Remember the prison ministry. Remember those who are being mistreated. Remember to show hospitality. Open up your home. Other people don't have as much as you. The grass isn't greener, right? Give honor to marriage, verse 4. And remain faithful to one another in marriage. God will surely judge people who are immoral and those who commit adultery. Remain faithful. Stick with it. Jesus is greater. The grass is not greener on the other side of that relationship. Don't love money. Be satisfied with what you have. For God has said, I will never fail you. I will never abandon you. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper. So I will have no fear. What can mere people do to me? The grass is not greener on the other side of living your life for material gain. You cannot serve God and money, you have to choose. Remain faithful. And this idea that God is faithful in the face of material trial, material what seems like um, we don't have enough, God is faithful. And that is one of the themes that has run throughout this whole book. God is faithful, God is faithful, God is faithful. And there's a call for us to be faithful and to stick with it. The grass is not greener on that side of the fence, on the money side. Remember your leaders? I had to put this one in here. But remember your leaders who taught you the word of God? Think of all the good things. think of all the good that has come from their lives and follow the example of their faith. He's saying he's, he's talking about the Christian leaders. The grass is not greener outside of that. We see this particularly come up in the uh, letter in Paul's letter to Corinthians where people are just kind of choosing which sort of personality they're going to follow. The grass is not greener. Stick with it. Jesus Christ is the same today, same yesterday, I'm sorry, is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So do not be attracted by strange new ideas. Your strength comes from God's grace, not from rules about food, which don't help those who follow them. We don't have many uh, rules about food in our house, but um in a year like this one where the presidential election was so divisive and some of the uh, the votes we've had to come to the table to like uh, vaccines a year ago um, very divisive I'm reminded that my hope is not in, our president, whoever that is. My hope is not in politics. My hope is not in a certain philosophy. Our hope is in Jesus. Our hope's in Jesus. That's where our hope is found. And so I've had people, I've had people come up um, in services, kind of freaked out over the way this certain... Bill got passed, you know, whatever it was. And I said, well, you know, that's not where our hope is found, so there's good news. Because Jesus is the same yesterday and today and forever. That's where our hope is found. Um, fortunately Fortunately, we live in a land where we can vote either way on those things. And I would encourage people to do that. But our hope is not there. Our ultimate hope is only in Christ. So he's saying the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. Jesus is greater. Stick with it. And it's such a simple message and it's so powerful and it's something we have to come back to every single day when we wake up. Every single conversation that doesn't seem to go our way, um, every financial turn that comes our way, whether it's good or whether it's straining. Is that Jesus is our hope. And the grass is not greener. And so he closes with this uh, benediction. That is absolutely beautiful. We'll close our service with this later when we get to the end. And they say, Now, may the God of peace peace is uh, this term, shalom, right? In Hebrew, it would be shalom, wholeness and well-being, a fullness of well-being and harmony in our relationships, not just with our kids or our fathers on Father's Day or with our neighbors, but our relationship with the world out here, our relationship with the creation itself. May the God of peace, of shalom, of well-being and fullness Who brought up from the dead our Lord Jesus, who raised Jesus. Typically, the term would be raised, but this is different. Who leads him up, who brings him up out of the earth. I thought, why would they put it that way? It's interesting to change. Um, This is the only time we see in the whole book a mention of the resurrection. And why is that? We see a lot about Jesus' sacrifice. And I think part of that message is that Jesus suffers as well. That's a big theme in this book. We see that you're suffering. Jesus suffers with you. He is the better sacrifice. He is the great sacrifice. And so here, for the first time in the benediction, we see a mention of the resurrection. But it's not just God raised. It's God led him up. In that spot where he was suffering, in that spot where he had died, in the grave, God leads him out. And I think it's put this way because that's what this congregation needs to hear. We are struggling. We're going through trial right now. God will lead you up. And we go up together. Check this out. The great shepherd of the sheep. Our leader is not just someone who leads us, but who suffers with us. And we are a community of people who do this together. This is a community where we stick with it, where we realize the grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. We devote our lives to Jesus, and we come alongside each other during this time of suffering around Jesus, who suffers as well and leads us up together. He ratified an eternal covenant with his blood, with his suffering, There's a new covenant, a better covenant. May he furnish you with all that you need for doing his will. Some of those versions are going to read furnish, equipping, furnishing. So yes, that wall needs to come down. That door over in that corner doesn't seem to make sense. And there is a renovation that happens. Jesus furnishes us. This equips us. It conveys a complete preparation, a training or outfitting with everything needed for that vocation God has called us to, for living in this world. I think of Ephesians 2:10. For we are God's masterpiece. (laughs) You are God's masterpiece. Graham, you are God's masterpiece. God's masterpiece. Masterpiece. We are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus. So we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. So you think of it like a house, right? God's furnishing us. He's filling it in we think of those beautiful homes when they're done. Now here we have a different sentence, but this is actually all one long sentence, which looks awkward in English. May he produce in you, through the power of Jesus Christ, every good thing that is pleasing to him. All glory to him forever and ever amen and so you have this sermon which is capped off by this beautiful benediction and this prayer it reminded me of the retreat I was on um, well I'm, I'm getting a lot of illustrations from this retreat but I was I went on this retreat a few weeks ago and my cousin is the one that actually found the property found the house it, it was a house and when you walk into it it kind of looks like a retreat place it doesn't look it's hard to imagine it as a house. And they had this dining room where now there was a piano. It's off the kitchen. But they had this room, which in a regular house, I don't know what it would be for. It's just this long, long room where they put the dining room table. And it had uh, just a row of windows looking out to the ocean. And the ocean being the ocean water. It's, like I said before, it's a lot of reeds and marshland and... If you walked the path far enough, you'd get to the dock where the water was deep enough to have the boats. But you'd see, it was beautiful. And it's not like Maine, you get that, that moss hanging off the trees, you know. It's, it's just a different landscape, so it was new for me. Um, beautiful. Just a whole row of windows. And I thought, in a regular home, I'm not sure what, what would you do there if, if this wasn't the dining room. They walked in and said, this needs to be the dining room. They said, we didn't have to do anything to the house. No blowing open the wall or, you know, putting in new windows and nothing like that. All they had to do was furnish it, equip it, equip it for a purpose. And so they got these long, rustic tables, really long. And they said, this is the heartbeat of this whole thing. We need to get the right tables in here because this room is where the most impact will happen. And so they got these long, rustic tables I looked for a picture. I didn't take a picture of it. Very long, rectangular, and and just chairs on either side. And then they prayed over the table. And they did a long. They gathered a lot of people. They researched, got the dimensions, and they equipped it and they furnished it. And there were plenty of other places to sit. There was the fire outside, you know, you're trying to share, and you're getting smoke in your eyes and all that stuff. That wasn't quite perfect, but this room was it. It was air-conditioned in there, and that is where most of the heavy lifting happened. That's where the tears were shed. That's where the laughs came from, the loudest laughs, the concerns and the, the long talks, and the getting to know one another. It was in that room where most of that happened. And they prayed over it. So that it wasn't just a table thrown in there, not just some sort of furnishing, not some sort of staging, but that it had purpose and that it had power. And so he caps this off with a prayer. Stick with it. Jesus is greater. The grass is not greener on the other side of that fence. And when we come down to it, it's these practical things. It's your relationships It's ministry, it's service, looking out for those in need, looking out for environment, all these things. Pretty basic stuff. Stick with it.